more. Do you find yourself saying no to an opportunity before seeing if God wants to say yes? Well, today's episode is all about how to overcome your struggle with pre-rejection. Let's talk about it on Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to Dreamers and Disciples. I'm your host, Wade Joy. Thanks for joining us on this podcast journey to help you reset your rhythms and renew your dreams. Now, before we begin, I've got some fun news for you, something a little exciting to share, because I want to let you know about a brand new free resource that I developed just for you. I've been really excited to tell you about it. It's an ebook. It's really a workbook called Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul. Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul. And in this workbook, I walk you through how to evaluate your current rhythms in seven key areas of your life that all directly impact the health of your soul. And then I guide you through how to establish healthier rhythms in each of those areas. So I really think this will bless you. So go right away uh, to get the ebook at wayjoy.com. That's W-A-D-E-J-O-Y-E.com. Once again, it's free. It's my gift to you. And I'd love to hear uh, maybe what's the the one rhythm as you go through it that has been the most helpful. And if it's helpful for you, share it with a friend as well. In fact, if this episode helps you in any way at all, I'd love to encourage you to share it with somebody that you think it could bless as well. Because uh, as God works in our lives, one of the best things we can do is share that with other people. So I'd appreciate that a lot. And now let's get to today's episode, because I want to ask you about something that might be so normal to you that you don't even realize that you're doing it. This can fly under the radar in your life. So here's the question. How often do you pre-reject yourself? How often do you pre-reject yourself? What do do I mean by that, you ask? Well, simply put, uh, do you reject yourself before you give someone else the chance to reject you? Do you take yourself out of the running or out of consideration for something that you think you could be good at, or it could be a good step for you to take. Maybe there's an opportunity that presents itself and an idea that you have that you think may be from the Lord, a step you want to take, but you continually talk yourself out of it. And it passes the test of lining up with the way God calls us to live in Christ that you find in His Word. It lines up with your passions and your giftings. Your friends affirm it, but you still aren't 100% confident that God is asking you to do it. So what do you do? You pre-reject yourself. It's a defense mechanism. You say, well, this can't be for me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You immediately come up with all the reasons why you can't do it, why you're not the right person, why someone else can do it better than you can, why God wouldn't want this for you. You end up saying no before you give God a chance to say yes. Now, here's a confession. I do this all the time, and I'm willing to bet that you do too. But just to make you feel better, we're in good company. You see this throughout Scripture. And the first person that comes to mind for me is Moses. Moses did this too in a very famous account in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, as God calls to Moses from the burning bush, asking Moses to go and deliver God's people uh, from slavery, from Pharaoh. And Moses is getting a direct word from God yet he still tries to pre-reject himself. He tries to give God five different excuses of why he is not the right person for the job, even though God is saying, I've chosen you. 
Um, and so, like I said, Moses did it even when God was clear. And so how much more are we going to struggle with this when, you know, we might be 75% sure that the Lord is in something? And so I've really been thinking through, why do we do this? Why do we pre-reject ourselves? And I think there's a few reasons that come to mind and even that we can find in this story in Exodus chapter 3 and 4 with Moses. Uh, Number one, uh, I think it spiritualizes our insecurity. It spiritualizes our insecurity. So insecurity is something that I have always struggled with. And I've found sometimes as Christians, we can actually dress insecurity up to look like humility. So I'm going to come back to that in a second, but let's look at some of the ways Moses's insecurity kind of takes the stage in, in the five different excuses that he gives. And, and in terms of spiritualizing our insecurity, I think three of the five excuses that he gives in Exodus 3 and 4 fall into this category. So he says, basically, I'm not the right person. In Exodus 3.11, it says, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses is like, hey, God, you, you've got the wrong guy. I am not the right person for this. Number two, he says, I don't know enough. Uh, Exodus 3 verse 13 says, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? Moses is trying to say, I don't have enough knowledge. I don't have enough uh, of the answers that I know uh, I'm going to need for the questions that they're going to ask. And then he also says, I'm not talented or skilled enough. In Exodus 4.10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So Moses is trying to say, hey, I don't have the skills um, or the qualifications to do this thing that you're asking me to do. So his insecurity is on display. He's saying, I'm not the right person. I don't know enough. I'm not talented or skilled enough. And I have found in my life that sometimes when all of those objections and all of those insecurities and all of those doubts come to the surface, I try to mask it as humility. I try to, to be like, well, no, I don't wanna, I don't wanna take the spotlight. You know, I don't wanna make this all about me. When in fact, I'm scared to death and I'm afraid of falling flat on my face, which ends up being all about me. But we'll come back to that in a second. So we pre-reject because it spiritualizes our insecurity. It kind of gives us uh, a pass for our insecurity. Uh, Secondly, it prevents other people from rejecting us. It prevents other people from rejecting us. So you see this in the one of the other excuses that Moses gave in Exodus 4, verse 1. It says, Moses answered, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? So Moses is afraid that he's not going to be accepted by the people when he does what God has called him to do. What if they don't believe me? Um, so he is trying to reject himself before he feels the pain of rejection from his people. Uh, and then finally, it keeps us comfortable. Pre-rejection can keep us comfortable. Moses says, send someone else. Uh, in uh, Exodus 4.13, it says, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. He's kind of done with all the, the other excuses. Now he's finally like, God, just, just please send someone else to do this because Moses knew he would have to get uncomfortable and take risks and put himself into some very dangerous situations, and he didn't want to do that. So pre-rejection, it, it spiritualizes our insecurity. 
Uh, it prevents other people from rejecting us, and it keeps us comfortable. It's a defense mechanism that we, all of us, can go to as a way to try to protect ourselves. Um, we're trying to preemptively protect ourselves from failure. And like I said a second ago, ultimately, out of all of those reasons listed above, the one I resonate the most with is spiritualizing insecurity. That is my struggle. I've struggled with humil- uh, with insecurity um, all my life, and I've learned to call it humility. I've learned uh, to put a good face on it, um, to dress it up a little bit. Uh, but when I do that, I'm pre-rejecting myself from the new ways God wants to work in my life. I almost did it with this podcast. Uh, you know, around January, I was really praying through just what God wanted me to do in this next season. And I knew that I wanted to teach. I knew that I wanted to preach. I knew that God had given me this message about discipleship and surrendering our dreams to Him. And I also love podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of really talented people, a lot of wise people. And I remember as I was praying through this, I prayed, you know, I kept having the idea to do a podcast most of January, and it was the beginning of February, and I was praying one morning, and I was praying for opportunities to teach and to preach, and I felt like the Lord just put this impression on my spirit, do a podcast. And I started to bring all the the pre-rejection arguments out. I was like, nobody needs another podcast. There's so many podcasts out there. Um, there's podcast overload. There, you know, so many other people that are smarter than me that have more to say. They're more charismatic than I am. And I started to talk myself out of it. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, once again, just impressed upon my heart, you've been asking me for an opportunity to teach. Here's a way you can do that every week. And I just, I felt something in my spirit uh, when I was praying that, and I was still nervous. I still had all the objections, but I remember walking out of the room where I do my morning prayer time. And I went and I told my wife, Ferris, I was like, Ferris, I'm going to do a podcast. And I just put it out there. What was crazy is how God started to confirm that once I actually took even the first baby step of saying it out loud. But I'll come back to that uh, later on in the podcast. But I started, I almost didn't do this because I pre-rejected myself. Uh, And I've loved this journey. I've loved hearing how God's working in your life um, through this journey together. And I almost missed out on that because of the excuses that I that I brought to God because I was afraid and I was fearful and I didn't want to experience failure. Uh, but here's what I found fascinating as I studied the passage in Exodus again, Exodus three and four, that talks about Moses, his excuses. What I noticed about Moses's narrative is that it looks a lot like what we think humility looks like, but it's the exact opposite. Um, and one thing God is teaching me about in this season is what true humility is. And we need to embrace true humility if we're going to overcome our tendency to pre-reject. So here is my own personal definition of humility. It's living with a focused confidence in God. Humility is living with a focused confidence in God. And so there's two elements to that. There's focus and there's confidence. So humility is a matter of focus. And here's the question, is my focus on Christ or my ego? Is my focus on Christ or my ego? Because here's what your ego says. I might look stupid. I might fail. I might not be skilled enough. Uh, But so many, every one of those objections that I just mentioned, they're all centered on me. And so there's, there's humility that 
uh, can be very evident sometimes in the form of pride, but then false humility can be just as prideful because it keeps our focus on ourselves and on our own weaknesses rather than on the God who wants to move through our weaknesses. So notice how self-centered the narrative is that I was saying, I might look stupid, I might fail, I might not be talented enough. It keeps us focused on ourselves. I've heard before that humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And so I love that that God put Moses' focus, every time Moses gave an objection, uh, God put Moses' focus back on the Lord. Each time God redirects Moses' focus uh, back on the character of God. And so the Lord tells Moses, I will be with you. The Lord tells Moses his name. Look at uh, Exodus 3, verse 15. It says, God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. God redirects Moses's focus back to himself. Uh, The Lord reminds Moses of his provision and what he can do with what he has already given Moses um, by saying, look at the staff that I've given you in your hand. Uh, He says that he's going to use his brother Aaron, who's already on the way. Um, God continues to dismantle Moses' objections by pointing uh, the focus of Moses back to the Lord. And the Lord reminds Moses of who gave humans the ability to speak to begin with. Go and read uh, Exodus 3 and 4. We don't have time to to walk through every one of God's responses uh, in detail, but notice how God always puts the focus back on His character, His provision, His power, and off of Moses and his complaints. So that's how humility is directly related to focus, but humility is also anchored in confidence. Humility is anchored in confidence, my confidence uh, being in Christ. I love how Psalm 62 says that my victory and honor come from God alone. I think when I struggle with insecurity, Uh, And false humility is when I'm expecting my victory and honor to come from someone else, another connection, another relationship, another platform. And if for some reason I fail, I feel like I'm going to be disgraced. um, I'm going to dishonor myself. Um, But if we believe that our victory and honor come from the Lord and from God alone, then we can walk fearlessly into a new situation. See, you can have confidence that even if I fall flat on my face, even if this new venture doesn't succeed, I'll be okay because what I do is not who I am. I I am a child of God. Uh, I've been uh, grafted into the family, adopted into the family of God through Jesus Christ. And that's where our confidence uh, can be found. See, Moses' confidence couldn't come from his own ability. It had to come from God. See, true humility is living with a focused confidence in God. Now, here's another truth that I've learned uh, that's helped clear my mind and my perspective about humility. Humility can be displayed on a platform and in obscurity. Humility can be displayed on a platform and in obscurity. So once again, um, a struggle with humility doesn't just come when you're in the spotlight in front of thousands of people. You can struggle with humility when you continually put yourself um, out of the running for something God wants to do 
through you because it's all the matter of where your focus and your confidence is. You can have the wrong focus and a lack of confidence in the right thing when you're in obscurity, just like you can when you're on a platform. So if you are faced with an opportunity or an idea that you think God is in, but you keep talking yourself out of it, you keep pre-rejecting yourself, but you still think God might be in it, let me give you just a few practical things to consider. Here's the fun part. Here's the part where we talk about how to actually take a step of faith away from pre-rejection and and towards the thing that God might be stirring your heart towards. And so let me give you, first of all, a few assumptions as you're wrestling through this. Three assumptions. Assumption number one, as you're looking at whatever the thing is in your mind that you're wondering is, is this something I should do or not? Uh, Number one, the assumption I'm going to go with is that the idea is in accordance with God's will. See, if it violates a clear command in Scripture, it's not God. Uh, But we're going to assume that it lines up with God's Word and with the teachings of Jesus, and that it helps you love God, it helps others love God, Uh, others love their neighbor, helps you love their neighbor, uh, your neighbor. So that's assumption number one, that it's in line with God's will. Assumptions uh, number two, and by saying God's will, I'm talking about the, the will of God as revealed in Scripture. Assumption number two, you've done your research, and it seems in line with how God has wired you. So you have self-awareness. Um, you've done some research about what it takes to start that business, to to, to sign up for that ministry, to, to take that risk. It's, it's calculated. It's not a, a reckless step of faith but you've done your research and it seems in line with your giftings, with how God's wired you. And number three, assumption three is you've sought wise and godly counsel because God speaks to us through other people that he's placed in our lives and they can oftentimes see things we can't. So those are the assumptions, those are the foundations, but if all of that is in place, then let me give you two ways to help you overcome your pre-rejection syndrome. I just kind of made that condition up, but I like it. Pre-rejection syndrome. So here are uh, two ways that you could overcome that, get a new mindset that's going to spur you on towards action. Number one, accept that you will never have certainty. Accept that you will never have certainty. I've only been at best 75 to 80% sure that God has told me to do something. 75 to 80% sure at best. I've never heard the audible voice of God saying, this is what I want you to do. I've had strong impressions. I've had confirmations from other people. Um, I've had you know things that felt very much from God. But at the end of the day, I could only say that I was about 80% sure. Even in our decision last year to step off staff at Elevation after 15 years and praying and seeking God for almost a year, it was still a step of faith. It still scared me, still terrified us, even though we felt like God was in it. Because if it's 100% certain, it's not faith. Because confidence and certainty are not the same things. If you're wanting to live a life of faith, are you willing to trade your certainty to get it? Are you willing to trade your certainty to live a life of faith. See, Hebrews 11, one says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So if you see it, it's not faith. So we can believe that God is calling us to do something and it lines up with those three assumptions and you feel like the Lord's in it, but it's still gonna require a step of faith. But that's where God moves the most in our lives. So accept that you'll never have certainty. There's so much freedom in that. Um, You don't want to be reckless. You want to have a measure of certainty, but you will never have 
100% certainty, or you want to have a measure of confidence. That's a better way to say it. Uh, And then secondly, trust that God directs your steps. Trust that God directs your steps. Uh, I love Proverbs uh, 16.9, where it says, The mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Uh, Psalm 37, 23 through 24 in the uh, NLT version says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. I love that part. God delights in every detail of your life. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Uh, you see, God directs us as we take a step. When it says He directs your steps, when He directs the steps of the godly, that doesn't happen when you stand still. It happens in motion while you take a step. And as you take one step, then He directs the next step as you take it. I love Psalm 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So you still have to build. You still have to stack one brick on top of the other brick. You still have to work. God provides food for um, whenever I go on a walk in the morning, I see these like family of bunnies every morning on my walk. And I just think every time I see them out getting their food, God's provided the food, but they still have to go and gather it. We still have to build. We still have to pick up one brick after another, but it's the Lord that builds the house. He's the one who's guiding us. So to finish that podcast story that I mentioned earlier, you know, I went out after I felt like, okay, even though I'm I'm insecure, even though I'm nervous about this, I think I'm supposed to do this podcast. And I went and I told my wife and I just spoke it. I had to, to put some type of action to it, even though I didn't know where to begin. And then that day I posted something on Instagram and a friend of mine that I used to work with at Elevation named Colleen, shout out to Colleen, she sent me a message saying, hey, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? I was like, well, Colleen, funny enough, this morning I decided to do a podcast. And she's like, well, I really think you should do it. And then over the course of a week, I got more and more of those kind of confirmations. And then about a week and a half later, a friend of mine uh, reached out to me and said, hey, I really think... Uh, you should do a podcast. Have you ever thought about it? I was like, well, a lot of people are saying that right now. Think God could be in this. And he said, well, is there a partner that you have to help you launch this? And I was like, no, I was just going to do it on my own. He said, well, let me connect you with my friend at Access More because I think y'all could work well together. And little by little, as I took one step after another step after another step, it began to confirm that yes, the Lord is in this for this season of my life. I'm loving it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's helping people, but it required taking a step. And so if God directs your steps, let me give you some practical handles on what taking a step look like. I'm going to give you four, and I'm going to give you a little heads up. They all, the first letter of each, combine them, they spell step. So it's set a time limit, treat it like a lab, embrace awkward, and prepare to be surprised. Set a time limit, treat it like a lab, embrace awkward, and prepare to be surprised. So number one, set a time limit. Commit to something for a certain amount of time. Like, I'm going to try this for six months, or I'm going to try this for a year. The time frame needs to be specific to what you're trying. Some things don't need as much time, some need more. But it's helpful because there are going to be days where you want to quit, where you've hit an obstacle But when you decide that you're going to be all in for a certain amount of time, it helps you stay focused. It helps you push through those barriers. And then when you get to the end of that time limit, then you can reevaluate. Then you can try to assess, well, what is God telling me 
through how this went. Is he saying to keep going? Is he maybe redirecting me to something else? But setting a time limit really helps you be all in uh, for a certain season, and then you can step out and evaluate. Uh, Number two, treat it like a lab. I would say experiment as you step into whatever this new thing is. Try things. Uh, That's been a theme of my life this year uh, that I was like, God, I want this year to feel like a lab where I'm going to try different things that I'm passionate about. I'm going to walk through doors that you open, and I want to see what you move through, what you breathe on, what helps make me come alive. Um, And so ask yourself those questions. What made me come alive in this process? Where did God seem to bless it? What doors were closed and opened? I love uh, in Ecclesiastes 11, there's a a passage that says, cast your bread on the waters. And actually one translation says, uh, ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures, yes, and eight. You do not know what disaster may bring upon the land. Uh, If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north in the place where it falls there, it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. So ship your grain across the sea and then invest in seven ventures, yes, and eight, because you don't know which ones are going to return to you profitable and and full of impact. And if you're just watching the wind, you're never going to plant. If you're just looking at the clouds, you're never going to reap. So take action. Be okay with failure. Experiments usually have unintended outcomes, but some of the best breakthroughs happen by accident. All right, third, embrace awkward. Realize that you're going to look stupid sometimes when you're figuring something out, when you don't know what to do. But say, I might look stupid, but I'm going to take a step. People might not un- might not understand me. I might be misunderstood, but I'm going to take a step. Embrace that awkwardness is going to come. Don't be surprised by it because not only will it allow you to find some of your biggest breakthroughs, but you're going to grow in realizing that you don't have to be controlled by other people's opinions of you if you are doing what you feel like God has put in your heart to do. And then finally, prepare to be surprised. God may lead you down a road you didn't expect when you take that first, or when you took that first step. You thought it was leading one way, but as God is directing you, you step by step by step, it leads you in a completely different direction, but a much better direction for your life. You don't have the master plan. You don't have the foresight to see everything God wants to do through you. You might have one dream, but God has a completely different dream. But you walk in that as you obey and follow him step by step. Don't limit God to what you can imagine. He can do more than you ask or imagine. So let's uh, review those steps. So stop pre-rejecting yourself and calling it humility. Walk in true humility, a focused confidence on God. And when there's an opportunity that presents itself that you think God may be in and it lines up with God's word and you've gotten godly counsel and done your research, remember that you'll never be certain, but you can be confident. And God directs us as we take a step. And that step is set a time limit, treat it like a lab, embrace awkward, and prepare to be surprised. Now, I know we've covered a lot today, but I really hope it was helpful. I hope it was practical for you to give you some very tangible things to consider to push you past that struggle of pre-rejection. And I wanted to leave you with 2 Timothy 1.7. I think this is a great verse for you to memorize and for you to pray through this verse. Whenever you're struggling with pre-rejection, whenever you're struggling with taking a step of boldness and confidence and faith, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power love, 
and self-discipline. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Well, that's all for today's episode, my friends. Uh, Thanks for joining me. And I want to remind you one more time, don't forget to get your free ebook, uh, The Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul at wayjoy.com. Plus, you'll get signed up for my weekly email that comes out every Wednesday called The Weekly Reset. So once again, go to wayjoy.com. I encourage you to share this episode with a friend, and I look forward to seeing you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples.